are you going to do now that you don't have your nose blowing on audio? You can't sell it on Twitter for money. That was dumb. And welcome back to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your two best friends who paid real human money for their social work degrees make a total mockery of their entire profession by social working the fuck out of the horniest books of their teenage years. I'm Sahana. But not. Oh, sorry. And I'm Kat. But you know what? Not this time. We're not going to do the books this time. No, we are not talking about the books this time. For the first time ever, we're going to talk about... A horny movie. Oh, no. Oh, boy. That's right, dear listeners. We are here on this fine episode, post-book reading, to talk to you about Catherine Hardwick's 2008 magnum opus, the greatest film of our generation, and proof positive that Kristen Stewart can conquer any acting role except for that of a heterosexual woman. That's right. (laughs) We are here to talk to you about Twilight, the film. Who was it today who sent me a picture of Kristen Stewart at a Hooters? Oh my god. What? I think it was I think it was Joe. <laughs> Did you retweet it? They DM'd it to me. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever no, seen. I meant, Let me check to I see. I was asking if, if you retweeted it on the STBC podcast Twitter, oh, which by the way, dear do listeners, it. if you don't follow the STBC podcast Twitter, I highly recommend that you do because now that Katie and I both follow the Twilight Out of Context Twitter, there's a lot of really good content that's going to go on the Twitter very soon. It's amazing. She looks just as gay as I feel when I look I, at her. Have you ever seen that? You've seen the like um, SNL Totino's Pizza Roll commercial with Kristen Stewart in it, right? I'm pretty oh, sure. Holy shit! I'm gonna. I'll have to send it to you to ensure that you see it because it's very important to me. So, can you now, remind us what we're all here to do? Well, we're here to talk about a movie that, for me, is the first time I've ever seen, which it. is wild to me. So, I didn't watch the Twilight movies growing up. I only watched, or I only read them. So, this is my first time. And so, like now, I knew, of course, that like these movies feed Anna Kendrick. But you know, this is my first time finding out that they also uh, included Susie Crabgrass of Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide. Which whom? She plays Angela. Oh, um, strong, independent woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. So I have only seen this movie once before, and I also did not watch it as a teenager or like when they came out. When I read these books, I saw the first Twilight movie for the first time. I think last summer. Um, and I think honestly that might have been part of what like spurred us to create this podcast. So yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I'm really realizing right now that I should have blown my nose before this. I'm sick, everyone, but I'm here persevering to bring you the content that you crave. Um, um, uh, become yeah, a, no, so become I first a patron watched it. on the Patreon to hear Cat blow their nose on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're fucking kinky like that. Oh, God. If you if are, oh, my your, God. If honestly, that's your kink, leave. Stop listening. <laughs> no, I would fully disagree. If that is your kink, please keep listening. Please DM me at Epsilina. <laughs> I will you fucking... heard it here first. Kat will sell her nose-blowing audio for you uh, to give the I'll sell it nose-blowing. No, I don't doubt. This is not Patreon money. This is direct Venmo to me money. <laughs> That's this is fair. money for this is money for mama. You want fucking Taco King money. This is Taco King money. If you want if you want me to send you a video of me blowing my nose, anything like that, any fucking thing like that, fucking DM me and we'll see what you we are can about do. to get the weirdest fucking shit in your Twitter inbox. Oh boy. Good. I can we can Good. we talk about Twilight some more? I can't believe that that's what I'm saying. But <laughs> <laughs> so- yeah, so I watched the movie for the first time on Valentine's Day with my dear friend Ian. I made us dinner. That's I made nice us. Of you. I made us salmon Ooh. with crushed uh, blueberry uh, and like lemon and garlic and um, 
balsamic over with a Brussels sprout. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it was. And we ate that, and we watched Twilight, and then I watched it again a few days later, but I watched the director's commentary, oh, which I don't believe man. you have not have seen not that, seen right? I have not seen the director's commentary, no. So like I said- Luckily I- for you, I have some great notes. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, I watched this movie last weekend over FaceTime with our other best friend, Michelle, which was truly a treat. Um, because she really provided me with a lot of really great insights. Yeah, I am. It was a, it was truly an experience watching this. I, I have to say. So I had watched it probably about a, like a year before I was watching it for the second time this weekend. And I realized that there are so many things that I just completely forgot about in the movie. Like, I just blocked them out. Like what? Like, the, like, the the dramatic uh, editing of the scene where Bella's, like, googling vampires. Oh my god, I liked all the... I mean, it's not something I forgot about because I didn't know about it, but I love all the flashbacks. They're so wild. The flashback when Edward is talking about how he got turned into a vampire is unbelievable. It looks like the beginning of some, like, horrific, um, like, porn. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, some really weird, like, genre historical porn it's it's wild i don't well, love it this, well it does look like that and i think they do that intentionally because partway through the flashback it like flashes to this scene of like edward like leaning over this woman like prostrate on like a fainting couch and he's about to bite her sexily on the neck and then you look and it's actually bella so i feel like to make it porny was the intention we gotta ask Catherine hardwick um, so I think we should talk a little bit about the cast oh, boy. of this movie. If you all so, were not aware, this movie has a truly elite cast of characters. So Okay, so like, once I assume you all know, but in case you don't, <laughs> fucking cool. Um, Kristen Stewart as uh, the... Um, God, I can't even think of a good descriptor. As the ever... Land Bella Swan, who now that I've seen the movie, because before I hadn't seen it, I had constantly been defending Kristen Stewart, but now that I have seen it, I'm defending her even stronger, except for about maybe the lip bite thing, because she... Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna skip ahead to some of the director's commentary. But, okay, can I just say that I think that Kristen Stewart's mouth is the worst actor in this whole movie. I don't know what she is doing with her mouth for any of this film. There's a lot of, like, lip biting and weird pouting, and she, like, blows air out of her face a lot at times that are not appropriate. But at the same time, okay, there's this part of the commentary where she's, like, okay, it's the part in the movie where there's they inexplicably go to, like, the station, and they're, like, so first, oh, in the yeah. movie- Oh, doesn't this not happen know, in the book? No, it doesn't. So you need to know that in the movie, there's a bit of a different plot. So, um- Sorry for jumping around a little bit. We're just really excited. So, okay. So, unlike in the book, in the movie, there's, like, a far more cohesive narrative plot. So, despite um, the preface hinting at the danger to come, um, the first three quarters of the book are all about Bella and Edward. It's only the last quarter of the book that the main big bad is introduced and then handily resolved. So, not only that, but outside of the preface, uh, which sets the book to be about, like, a harrowing adventure and, like, a thrilling tale of murder and intrigue, the rest of the book contains, like, no real inkling of the future violence to come. In the film, however, we are shown the bad vampires early on, and the entire town is aware of the dangerous presence. So, like, what happens is that they, I guess, kill somebody in a neighboring town, but do it in a way that's, like, very conspicuous, and so then, like, very early on in the movie... Uh, Charlie is like, oh yeah, some like dock worker got killed by an animal, and we're like trying to figure out what happened. Uh, yeah, and so at one point they go and they're at like the police station, and like a dead body walks by. Did you just and say a Kristen dead body Stewart, walks by? I did say walks by. I mean, hey, Robert Pattinson was there walking by, and he is ten. Edward Cullen is a dead body. No, sorry, I meant to say a dead body is walked by, like, <laughs> like it's, like, rolled <laughs> through the frame, you know. Through the frame. And so Kristen, like, 
So Bella, like, looks at it and then has, like, some flashbacks kind of thing. And so, like, what Chris, uh, Catherine Hardwick talking about this was like, yeah, you know, you, Kristen really did a great job here, you know, like, the direction was pretty much just like, Kristen, or maybe Kristen Stewart was saying this, I think Kristen Stewart was saying this, was like, Kristen, look at this guy's feet, and have really overwhelming flashbacks that almost make your eyes flutter. And she's just like, okay, like. Wait, what is she supposed to be having a flashback to? She wasn't present. I don't remember, but that's what her direction, that's what Kristen Stewart says her direction was during that scene. So, like, I'm sorry. Can anyone just, like, look at some feet and then just be like, oh, that's, like, that, okay, you know what? She really did what she had. She worked with what she had. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I feel like upon watching this movie, I feel less inclined to defend Kristen Stewart. Because Mm -mm. I feel like, okay, the scene where, the scene where she gets the car, like, it's in the first, like, five or ten minutes of the movie, right? So, Charlie gives her the truck, and her response is, oh my gosh, are you joking me? Like... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, were you just doing a fucking uh, uh-huh. you look so proud of yourself because you know what you're doing uh-huh. Have you been practicing all of your different fucking uh, Nick Kroll impressions? I have to tell you that that's not how I intended it to come out of my mouth and like midway through the sentence I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing Nick Kroll <laughs> 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 okay, well, I'm okay. One, that's literally what she does in the book, too. She two, it is not her fault that Billy Burke steals every scene that he is in this movie. It's really true. Honestly, I could not think of a better casting choice in this movie than having Billy Burke as Charlie Swan. It's fucking amazing. I every scene that he's in, he's just fucking like you cannot pay attention to anything else. Like he's just like fight like that scene where he's just fighting with Billy in the background. It's so and this is like weird. Oh my god. Okay, but also another fun fact from the director's commentary. I think Kristen Stewart's reaction here is perfect because she probably is reacting um, sincerely because Kristen Stewart apparently really drove that truck in real life like she kept it and drove it around which is can the you, gayest can thing you believe I've ever that any of heard. us thought at any point in our lives that Kristen Stewart was heterosexual it's truly amazing to me that she got away with pulling that over on us for that long like and it wasn't even very long she was like bye immediately and we're all like oh and I'm like yeah <laughs> oh my man God. you really gotta watch this yeah. or commercial so, anyway, some other casting. Um, so, Anna Kendrick is in this movie, as we mentioned. She plays Jessica. Taylor uh, Taylor Honor, Lautner. Uh, is um, our man's best friend, Jacob Black. Who has the worst oh hair my God. in this movie. The worst was, hair. That, like, wig or whatever the fuck it was, was the worst thing I've Just ever this, seen. Just like, he has, the, he has, like, Severus Snape hair in this movie. It's fucking tragic. Like... Oh my god. Okay, and so then we get two people we really gotta talk about. Um, fuck, I forgot to write it down. I forgot to write down the actor who plays, um, Carlisle. Oh, well, but, I'll talk about Nikki Reed while you look it up. Because- Well, yeah, well, Nikki Reed was and him was who we were going to talk about at the same time, because they look fucking absurd in this movie. I, like, I remember- when Carlisle shows up on screen for the first time, I said to Michelle that he looks like a wax ghost. Like, yeah, I don't blame you. Like, he looks fucking nuts in this. It's like, I I don't know how pale they thought that they were going to have to make him for it to be convincing that he was a vampire, but they don't make anyone else quite so pale and also it's very clear that like the shade of pale that they chose for him is nowhere near his natural skin color so he just looks fucking absurd like he looks like a corpse that someone drained the blood out of and then like dipped in candle wax yeah he like very much when he came out i was like no i am not meant to believe that that person's supposed to be attractive this just does not track like it was upsetting Nikki Reed, when I saw her for the first time on screen, I was like, is that Anna Paquin? Because doesn't she look like knockoff Anna Paquin in this movie? 
Aren't they in the same show? Are no, they? Nikki Reed. What what fucking va- other vampire shit is Nikki Reed in? Isn't she in some other vampire shit? I don't know. I don't even know who Nikki Reed is. She's like famous for being, um, fucking shit. What else is she in? You know, we could have done this before we started recording, but we weren't that prepared. So you all get to listen to us uh, research. I know all you ever wanted us to do is Google while you furiously scream at the uh, screen, trying to answer our questions for us. What are you doing? Because I'm sure some of you know. You're like, I know what she's trying to think oh, of. Oh, absolutely. And you're hiding it from Also, me. we haven't even got- Also, nothing. I'm mixing her up with fucking someone else. Well, the only thing, fine. The only TV she's in is, like, Justice, Sleepy Hollow, and six episodes of The O.C. <laughs> Which six? I don't know. She plays one named Sadie Campbell, who I don't fucking remember at all. Speaking of The O.C., however, um, my favorite mid-2000s TV show villain, Kevin Volchek- makes an appearance in this movie. Cam Gigandit is our big bad for this movie, and it's truly amazing. I have to say, I've always been I've always been a little endeared to him in that I really don't like um, Marissa, and so the fact that he took her out makes (laughs) me like her. Um... Makes me like her. Make, I'm looking at pictures of Nicky. It makes me like him. Um, but, yeah, in this movie, he is, you know, that's not what I pictured when she was like, he is not attractive at all. He looks like nothing. He's the most <laughs> boring looking person ever. I was not picturing Cam, but I'm so glad it was. I'm so glad it was, honestly. It's so fucking I, funny to a me. A lot of the casting choices in this movie really, really just... I gotta say, my main reaction, and this might be petty and mean, and I don't want to talk people's looks, but we kind of have to, I don't think any of them looked anywhere near hot enough. No, I think you're right. I think that's honestly my major criticism also. Do you remember the sort of, like- They took hot actors and made them uglier. Yeah, like, the makeup, the hair and makeup situation in this movie is truly absurd. Like, it's like, they're supposed to be so- unworldly beautiful and it's a movie so you can make them look unworldly beautiful like you have the fucking technology and instead they're just like what if we made them worse yes (laughs) and what if we made bella paler than all of them sometimes things that are more expensive are worse yes (laughs) um no i think that like do you remember the sort of, like, public response when they announced that they had cast Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen. Because I remember everyone was, like, very upset about it. I remember two camps of people being upset, being our camp and everyone else's camp. Not everyone else's camp, but I remember a lot of people being upset because they wanted it to be Gerard Way. Yep. Yes. And then I remember you and I being upset because we wanted it to be Gaspar and Liel. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, Gaspar or nothing. Gaspar or bust. We <laughs> already were accustomed to seeing Gaspar try to eat people and yep. finding him hot anyway. Yep. Because for, for those of you who don't know who uh, that is, he plays um, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal the like, prequel. Yeah. Um, Which so, is you the know, movie we were, I watched exclusively so that I could. <laughs> see Gaspar Duyel. Um Another fun Gaspar Duyel story for all of you. One time I was watching a different Gaspar Duyel movie with a friend of ours from high school. Um, I don't remember what movie it was. She very conveniently left the room right before a sex scene because she was like, I'm just not going to watch this and I'm going to make Sahana sit here and watch this by herself. And I was so like overwhelmed by horniness because Gaspar Leal was in a sex scene that I got up to go find her and I very excitedly as I was telling her what happened I was gesticulating so wildly that I punched my own glasses off of my face (laughs) I too have been so horny that I've accidentally knocked stuff over but I don't know if I've been so horny I've knocked something off of my own face That I don't really have things on my face to knock off, so. Yeah, this was, this must have been, like, I must have been, like, a freshman or a sophomore in high school, because I got contacts my junior year. 
<laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about some of our other initial reactions, other than that they aren't hot enough. And I gotta say, there's one thing that I really have been dying to talk to you about. Oh boy, what is it? It's that, I have to be honest, watching the movie, it made a lot more sense to me why all the boys were attracted to Bella. Why? I don't- You gotta hear me- No, you gotta hear me out, right. and I think you're gonna agree. Uh, okay. Okay, I don't so agree watching, with you, but- watching the movie- Made it way more, it really helped sink in the fact that this is a tiny town where everyone has known each other their entire lives. So imagine, you're Mike. You're like a pretty cool guy. People like you, but they also all remember the time that you peed your pants in third grade. They also, (laughs) they also have all been there since you were picking your nose. Like, every girl that you know has known you since you were a fucking child, and you have known them that whole time, too. And so, you grew up with these same people. The last time you met a new girl in your maybe life who wasn't, like, your cousin's friend <laughs> was when the Collins came, and that, they said, was in middle school, or something like that, or, like, a few years ago. So, like, it's been years since you've had a new girl. Now, you get a new girl who's not, like, fucking heinously ugly and, like, doesn't smell bad, isn't a horse girl as far as you know. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's, it's shocking to me that Bella Swan was not a horse girl. She really does have, it is not in canon that she's not a horse girl. Oh, okay, so which means that it is now It doesn't canonically say she's head. not a horse girl. Yeah. <laughs> she's Pretty white and from Arizona. I feel like she's probably a horse girl. So, like, I can, so when I noticed that, I was like, and I was watching the the boys interact with her, I'm like, they aren't attracted to her. They're attracted to the concept of a new girl. Well, and I think that, honestly, you're probably not wrong, because there's the scene in the lunchroom where they're all, like, sitting there, and everyone's, like, I mean, essentially harassing Bella, uh, and Anna Kendrick is like, oh, you're the shiny new toy. Yeah, and so to me, it made a lot more sense. I was like, you know what? I buy it now. I buy that every guy's into her because she's literally just not someone who's seen them. Like, she doesn't know about their first boner. Like, (laughs) (laughs) how many people's first boners do you know about? You do know who you're asking that to, right? answer is I think zero. I'm sure you know about someone's first boner. I'm sure someone in their life has told you about their first boner. I genuinely don't think that they have. Uh, You don't know about your boyfriend's first boner? No, I don't think that I do. When we get off this call, you better call him and ask. You want me to call Don and ask him about his first boner? He didn't guess on this podcast, so... That's what he gets, you're right. For all those of you... Uh, who were not aware, Don was supposed to watch Twilight and then be on this episode of the podcast with us, but he didn't get it together in time, which I guess means that now we're going to talk about his first boner on the show. So that's what you get. For those of you who have ever thought about slighting us, be warned. We'll embarrass you in public. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Okay, the other thing I thought... um, there's a few other things. One other thing I thought, too, was that, like, Edward's character also made a lot more sense watching it, because I was like, oh, Edward just loves attention. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. There's this part where it's inexplicably sunny, and Edward's wearing sunglasses, and it makes no sense. <laughs> yes! Wait, and, like, it's so funny, because also, like, he... <laughs> so he's wearing sunglasses, which would lead us to believe that there's probably enough sun that it would warrant him wearing sunglasses. But if that were the case, wouldn't he not want to be outside because when he is outside, he looks like a human blink? Yeah. And the thing, so in the commentary, Kathy Herb was like, yeah, it was sunnier than he wanted. So I just said, like, oh, Edward put on some sunglasses. And I was like, Catherine, I don't think you understand how any of this works. <laughs> But I think it's hilarious that in that scene, he just looks like an 80s uh, movie character. He's just like, everyone looking at me in the jacket. (laughs) With my arm around my girl. And it's just so fucking funny. I, oh man, there are so many things about the way that Robert Pattinson decides to portray Edward Cullen that I just have 
so much trouble with. For example, I cannot believe it has taken us this long to get to it. And I know that we are jumping around so much, but I really would love for us to talk about the scene where Bella walks into biology class. It's really important to me that we discuss that because Edward, Robert Pattinson's performance in this moment is truly bewildering. I have so few words. Please. Okay, so I just, can I just set the scene for a moment? So, Yes, and then I Isabella behind the scenes that this again. I will. This happens in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Bella Swan is at school at her first day at Forks High School, and she walks into biology class. And for some inexplicable reason, there's a fan blowing at the front of the class, and so she walks right in, in March. front of the fan. In March, yes, she walks right in front of the fan. And the fan like blows her <coughs> scent. Towards our favorite undead abuser, Edward Cullen. And this, like, you see the moment that Bella Swan's stink, like, hits him in the face because Robert Pattinson makes this face <laughs> like he has just witnessed the most unbelievably, horrifyingly gut-wrenchingly disgusting (laughs) thing that any human being has ever been forced to witness. Like, I don't know if I can accurately describe the stink face that Edward (laughs) makes when the smell of Bella Swan hits him. We should, we will absolutely post a screen cap on the Twitter. But um okay, I don't remember. He like he like holds his hand over his face. <laughs> it's so funny. I can't remember if it's this part or if it's the next scene in biology. But in one of the scenes during the commentary, Edward or Robert was like, "I didn't know we were rolling." <laughs> <laughs> he like didn't know they were actually recording it, and it's oh so God. fucking funny. The other and thing I that. Just, like, the oh god! Other thing that I want to say about this scene is that so the way that the shot is framed, there's a taxidermied owl behind Robert Pattinson in this shot, and like the way that he's sitting in front of it, like just the wings are visible behind him, and they sort of like come out of his back. They talk about that in the commentary. Oh, well. they certainly do. Um, so I learned this because apparently when Michelle was reading these books as a teenager, she had the, like, official Twilight movie guide from Barnes oh & Noble. And apparently in the official Twilight movie guide, it says that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong based on what the commentary says, but apparently they framed the shot in that way because they wanted Edward to symbolize the angel of death. She said something with, like, the angel and stuff. She thought it was, like, really cool. The whole commentary is, like, Chris and Stuart being like, oh, you know, like, I really wish I could have acted that part better. Like, here's what I was thinking, but if I could do it again, you know, like, I see that it's not coming across on the screen. And then Catherine Hardwick being like, oh, you know, like, this has happened. And I thought it was so neat. And like, oh, it's so cool. And look at Chris. And she's doing such a great job. And, and then Robert Pattinson just being like, I didn't know we were rolling. <laughs> I, ran, I ran out of the theater. Um... Uh, don't you think it's funny how uh, my shirt doesn't match uh, my pants here? And it's like saying really weird shit, like and well, and then everyone else just is like haha, and then ignores him completely and it's just so fucking funny. I, so earlier this week on Twitter I like asked people for suggestions of like things they do that make them feel better when they're like not feeling great Um, and one of my friends uh, sent me a Twitter DM that said that the thing that she does when she's really depressed is watch videos of Robert Pattinson talking about how much he hated being in the Twilight movie. I fucking hated it. I never forget that UW uh, article where he was like, I compared the sounds of screaming fans to scout to, oh my god. Compared the sounds of screaming fans to sounds you would hear at the gates of hell. Oh my god. 
It's so fucking funny. I don't think, we really didn't deserve Robert Pattinson in this role. I feel like as a teenager, I was really disappointed by this choice. And as an adult, I'm like, yeah, no, Robert Pattinson's nihilism is exactly how I feel about this entire franchise. So, like, I'm here for it. So, I want to talk about some of our other, like, favorite or, like, most notable differences from uh, the movie to the book. Yes, absolutely. Um, So, one thing I want to mention that we have to mention, of course is that we finally get confirmation that Bella's favorite search engine um, that she it's, uses to do vampire research... It's fucking Google, everyone. It's, it's Google. Google. And now I have to add something to this uh, real quick. Uh, so I was watching Riley um, at Rev Rye Bread uh, stream The Sims 4. Great. Uh, because of who I am. It was super fun. Honestly, everyone follow Riley... And, I mean, probably most of you do already, but if you don't, do it. Uh, watch them play The Sims 4 if you ever get the chance, because it's fucking amazing. But anyways, their sim got bit by a vampire, and I what? shoot you not. They're vampires if you have the right expansion packs. So, their sim got bit by a vampire, and I shoot you not. In The Sims, to protect yourself against vampires, the thing you have to do is fucking search on your favorite search engine the word vampire. What?! And you have to bring your vampire skill up to four so you can make, like, garlic uh, braids or something. What? What? I made a joke while they were playing. I was like, you gotta go on your favorite search engine to search for vampire. And then I googled it and I was like, actually, you do have to go on your favorite search engine and <laughs> search for the word it, vampire. Do you think, who do you think that developed this game <laughs> had recently read Twilight and was like, you know what I'm gonna do? <laughs> I fucking hope so. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I... So, another... Yeah. No, I just... I, uh... The other thing, again, is just the way in which the scene where Bella is searching is edited. Like, it's just... It made me feel manic. It's so dramatic. It's all of these, like, zoomed-in shots of her browser and all of the things that she's looking at while there's this, like, very dramatic music playing in the background. And I actually don't even remember if there's, like, a voiceover during that part or not. I don't remember. I think you need to tell everyone about the part that was different that upset you the most. I... Y'all, I'm still so fucking heated about this because as I was going into the movie, I said to myself, if Isabella Swan is not wearing a long khaki skirt when she visits the Cullen home for the first time, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. And let me tell you, she was not wearing a long khaki skirt in that scene, and I felt really betrayed. We also don't get Edward in a beige turtleneck, I don't think. No, we don't. They really didn't do a great job of sticking to a wardrobe, which honestly is tragic because I don't know what Kristen Stewart is wearing for any of this movie. In the first, like, scene oh, that she's- Oh, it's really rough. The first scene that it's she's- It's so of its time. Like, in the lunchroom when she's at the high school, she's wearing, like, this, like, mint green bowling shirt that she has, like, buttoned up over, like, a long sleeve thermal. Ooh. Or she has that, like, short sleeve, like, zip-up with the puffy sleeves over, like, a long sleeve shirt. Yes! And she always has her hair curled in a really weird way. Who did the wardrobe for this movie? I don't... It's rough. It's really bad. No one looks good in this movie at all. Everyone's hair is terrible. My least favorite change is that they never go to the airport, so there's no Hyatt. Ah. There's no, uh, shuttle to the Hyatt. Honestly, all of these really important details are being left out of this movie. I feel like it's not true to its source material. So, I've got to move on. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. There is one thing that we have not talked about. And it is tremendously important. What is that? Vampire motherfucking baseball. Well, we're going to get to that, aren't we? No, we're not. I we're lied. Not. we got to talk about we it. We have to talk about vampire baseball. I know that you all think that there is nothing more that can be said about vampire baseball, but I assure you that if you have not yet seen Catherine Hardwick's decision to set the vampire baseball scene to supermassive black hole by Muse, yes, you heard me correctly, that is what is playing in the background. 
while a whole bunch of vampires race around with the worst special effects I've ever seen. Huh. <laughs> I... <laughs> I can't believe that this movie did not get nominated for a Best Editing Oscar for that scene alone. So, Stephanie Meyer was so happy when she chose that, um, when Catherine Hardwick whoever chose it, because it's Stephanie, Muse is Stephanie Meyer's favorite band of all time, and so she was like, it wouldn't be Twilight if it wasn't with Muse in it. And like, and I think Whose it's so favorite funny. band is Muse? Um, mine was when I was in like ninth and tenth grade, probably, but it also was because of Stephanie Meyer. Oh yeah, like, I know absolutely. I got into Muse because Ste- I think Muse is good. I don't know, I like Muse, but like they're not my favorite band the anymore. Only or anything, thing but I, I still think they're pretty Muse solid. With Twilight. So, um, you don't remember the Olympics? I think it was the London Olympics when they had what? the fucking that uprising song as the theme for the Olympics, and it was like really intense. And I'm like, are we going to war in the Olympics? Um, but anyways. Um, no, it was, I personally, my favorite part was, like, I guess, like, the actress who plays, um, Alice, like, really had to learn how to pitch and stuff properly, and I love her fucking leg kick. I was extremely it's gay for so it. so funny. Um. She, like, kicks really high into the air every time, right before she pitches, like, real classic softball wind-up style. <laughs> it's amazing. I also would like to take a moment to talk about the fact that Alice looks 45 years old and Jasper is so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> Jasper looks so ugly because the whole time he's like, he's like has his face pulled back and his <laughs> Well, I think what happened is that they put so much fucking pale foundation on his face that it like dried into a clay mask and he couldn't <laughs> use any of his like facial features correctly. <laughs> That's what I think happened. It's... I can't. Um, other important things about the vampire baseball scene. Oh, like, uh, Esme's, like, weird sort of disclosure of her, like, miscarriage and then near death is just completely omitted from this Thank movie. fucking God. So is Carlisle's. <laughs> yeah, and so is, like, the story of how Carlisle became a vampire while buried under a pile of rotting potatoes, which, honestly, I think we deserve that flashback in this movie. If I had to watch the Edward Cullen being turned into a vampire flashback, I at least should have gotten to see the wax ghost under a pile of potatoes. Oh my god. So, I think we need to move on to the Dreamcast that people finally submitted to us. Oh, yes. So, several of you um, took to heart our severe disappointment and actually sent us in some Twilight Dreamcasts. Um, They're all very good. The first one from Michelle says, hey, STBC Podcast. Does Michelle get an actual shout out or no? Yeah, well, I mean, her Twitter's locked, so I guess if you wanted to try to follow her, her Twitter handle is at MJ Perkowski, uh, so you could follow her if you wanted to, but she probably won't approve you as a follower, but anyway, she said... But you get to feel, you get to feel special if she does, It's true, it's true, it's very, it's a very exclusive club. Um, her Twilight Dreamcast is all of the Glee characters... <laughs> Rachel Berry is Bella, Mr. Schuster is Carlisle, and she doesn't care who anybody else is. But I care. So, Katie, <laughs> who is the rest of this cast? In this scenario where the cast of Glee uh, are all of the various members. Okay, well, Finn, Finn has to be Edward, obviously, right? Yeah, I was thinking either Finn or, um, what's, uh, Cord Overstreet? What was his character's name? The blonde one? I always assume all blonde characters are named Chase, but I don't think it is, so I don't remember. Was it Sam? He's the one that, like, they sing a song. Sam. I think it's Sam. They sing a song about how he has a fish mouth. <laughs> fish eyes, like Lauren. Um, oh, God. Um, I think that um, Quinn is uh, Rosalie. Oh, for sure. Um, Who's, is Santana? Who's Alice? Hmm. No one. I don't remember most of these characters' names. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I haven't watched Glee in a while. Um, <laughs> That's probably tweet at us if you best. have any strong opinions. Yeah, if you all have strong opinions about which Glee character is matched with which character in Twilight, please let us know. Um, 
Okay, so what's another what's another All right. one? The next one is from Sack, whose Twitter handle is Fluffing Dazman. Um, and they said, Hey STBC podcast, rate my casting. Haley Steinfeld as Bella, Timothy Chalamet as Eddie Bite Bite, Saoirse Ronan as Rosalie, <laughs> Mackenzie Foy as Alice, Cole Sprouse as Jasper, Liam Hemsworth as Emmett, and Billy Burke as Charlie. And I have to say that keeping Billy Burke as Charlie is the best move in this casting lineup. Also, now, if you don't know, Mackenzie Foy is the person is the person who plays Renesmee in Breaking Dawn. Oh my! Wait, so CGI baby? No, no, no! Like when she gets old really quickly. Oh, but she's oh. just like a child. I think my Twilight Dreamcast is everybody being played by the CGI baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see one where just Cole Sprouse plays every character. I honestly, I have thought more than once since we started recording this podcast that if Cole Sprouse had been at his height at the time that we were reading these books, I absolutely would have imagined Cole Sprouse as Edward Cullen. Like, a hundred percent. I think if they actually made it right now, though, they would have cast, like, Nat Wolf or something. Probably. I also think, I think that, honestly, Timothy Chalamet is a really good pick for Edward Cullen. Well, yeah, if we want to actually find him to be, like, sexy and exciting like we did when we were teenagers, then yes, Timothy Chalamet is the only choice. I don't think that I find Timothy Chalamet sexy and exciting. You would as Edward if you were 15. Yeah, probably. That's true. I think that I find Cole Sprouse much more sexy and exciting, but that's also because I never out. But that's why he should be Jasper. That's why he should be a side character. I do think Liam Hemsworth um, is also a good choice. Okay, what's uh? Read me another one. Okay, so I gotta I gotta tell you about Riley's. Okay, so there's like a whole thread uh for Riley's that I'm not gonna read all of it, but um, so Riley again at Rev Rye Bread uh said I'm trying to think of fan cast for SBC podcast and I keep getting stuck with Hayden Christensen as Edward because that would be funny as fuck, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And then they later on said, every Cullen is an ex-Jedi. Father Cullen is Ewan McGregor. That would be so good. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know how this person would want me to pronounce their handle, so I'm just gonna spell it out like an asshole. So, at K-A-R-Y-J-O-N, is it a C? It's a C. Carrie Junk? Carrie Drunk? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm my love. Uh, they responded and said, they certainly wear enough beige for it, they which really... I thought was fucking hysterical. But no. I laughed at that for so long. Oh my god. They don't wear beige in the movie, though. I'm telling you, they really get the wardrobe yeah. wrong. Um, it's, it's truly incredible. So, now, I really, another thing we gotta talk about. So, everyone knows that the Twilight soundtrack slaps. It's a well-known fact. It does. Um, it does slap. Any, just Google, okay, honestly, and you can know that this is true because if you go on Twitter and you search Twilight, you're going to find a lot about um, a band, a lot about Twilight Zone, some about fucking Kingdom Hearts, some about, like, Twilight Princess, and then some about fucking uh, Twilight Sparkle, whatever, the My Little Pony stuff. But then eventually, you're just going to see post after post after post about the Twilight soundtrack. So, I just want to list off some of the tracks. Um, or oh, at so least this is, this is the soundtrack for the movie or the book playlist? The movie first, and then we will touch on the book playlist. Okay. I'm going to, we have, I have some shit for that. <laughs> so, Supermassive Black Hole, as you all know. Um, there are two Paramore songs. We have I, okay. Code and I Caught Myself. I loved them. I loved them both. I loved Paramore as a teenager, and I love Paramore now. Uh, I saw recently Haley Williams referred to as the Yemo Queen, like Yeehaw and Emo together, and it really speaks oh my gosh. to my soul. I love her. At the, at the end of uh, The Sims 4 uh, streaming, Riley played the Haley Williams and Casey Musgraves Yes, Girls, girls Just Wanna Have Fun, fun, fun cover. It is so good. It's so good. Um, so there's Linkin Park, of course. Yeah. Uh, Black Ghost, uh, Robert Pattinson uh, himself, uh, who actually like wrote some of the piano music for it, which is fucking amazing. What? 
Did you not know that? No! Robert Yeah, Pattinson. like, the scene where he's playing, the scene where he's playing piano and she's sitting next to him, I guess they, like, didn't have the music ready for that part yet. So, like, he was just, this was, like, according to my friend Blake. Uh, so, he was just, like, playing shit for, like, hours and everyone loved it. That's and, like, amazing. He actually wrote some music for it, yeah. Um, Blue Foundation, uh, Carter Burwell, uh, wrote some of the music for the Bell's Lullaby. Um, Collective Soul. And then what I was saving for last, uh, was Mute Math. And the only reason I saved this for last was because when I was younger, I went to a concert. And it was Mute Math opening for Landis Morset opening for Matchbox 20. What? I'm sorry. And, uh. and at this... <laughs> I, I w- made my mom go with me to wait in line at the merch table forever to buy a Mute Math CD for Sahana because at the time she was definitely mad at me for something. I don't remember what. I do not remember what my t- <laughs> I have no memory of this whatsoever. What year no, was this? I don't know. I have no idea what my transgression was. But I remember that at the time Sahana really liked Mute Math. And I, I had never heard of them. ever liking Mute Math, which is also hilarious. <laughs> you did for a little bit. I'm sure and I did. Probably, I probably like kissed some boy you liked, and then I bought you a Mute Math CD. That's probably uh, exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So you would love me again. Well, so apparently everyone, the way to win my love back is in case a boy I like is to buy me a Mute Math CD. Yeah, only I mean, if it's at an Alanis Morissette <laughs> concert. Okay, so now wait, I'm going to cough real quick. Okay, while you cough, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Flightless Bird American Mouth because I can't believe that you just left mm. that one out. Oh, I, yes, and I am so mad that this movie has ruined that song because it is like very sweet and lovely. And now the only thing that I associate it with is the scene where they're at prom and Edward's like being gross. Someone I think told me that like Kristen Stewart like chose that song. Yeah, or uh, Michelle told me that while we were watching it. Apparently, Kristen Stewart was the one that suggested Flightless Bird American Mouth because she's gay as fuck. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, the part that I've been the most excited about. So, and I'm just going to read these track listings in order and I'm going to get our honest reactions to them and thoughts of them. So, as I mentioned before, for every book, Stephanie Meyer released a playlist of the songs that she was, you know, thinking about during the time of recording, <laughs> which is a fucking hysterical thing to say, but that's what she said. Did she say that that's like, what, that she was thinking about them while she I was I will writing? read you. I will read. She goes, as mentioned at the end of the lame, rambling autobiography, nobody got that far, did they? I can't write without music. This, combined with the fact that writing Twilight was a very visual, movie-like experience, prompted me to collect my favorite Twilight songs into a sort of soundtrack for the book. This list is not chiseled in granite. It transforms now and again. But for the moment, here's the music I had in my head while reading the book. All right. Number one. Number one. Why does it always rain on me by Travis? So on the nose. Just the why does it always rain on me? Something, something, something. When I was seventeen. I don't don't think I know what song you're singing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a song I only know because it was on this playlist. The next song, Uh, Creep. Creep by Radiohead. Oh, because of course it is. I do I feel like I feel like Edward Cullen thinks that this is his like anthem. You know, like he Oh, like, I'm sure. I feel like Edward and Bella like bonded over Creep being their like anthem because like nobody understands that, but also like people don't even know who Radiohead except, is. Except that they actually bonded over Lincoln Park, no, as we did. both know. They did bond over the next park. The next one is In My Place by Coldplay, which I think is hilarious when you think of it as being from Edward's perspective. Or, no, wait, Kristen. No, I keep saying Kristen. I keep conflating them. Belle's perspective, In My Place. like Because he's, like, he's in her house. <laughs> he literally is inside of her house. Okay. The well, next I'm real excited am, about this next one. The next part, I imagine, 
comes. <laughs> There's so much about this that is so funny. The next part comes. I imagine in my head, like, when Edward's just gone for a while, and she's, or maybe, like, when she's getting attacked or something. And it is, I'm not okay. I promise. Yeah. The. The the video edit yep. by My Chemical Romance. Which means that, so for those of you who were <laughs> living under a rock in the early 2000s and never saw the music video for I'm Not Okay, I Promise by My Chemical Romance, first of all, your life is sad. Second of all, the video for this song is, like, very long and includes a lot of dialogue. Uh, like, I don't know if you all remember, you can't swim, you can't dance, and you don't know karate face that you're never going to make it. Like, that's from the beginning of that video. There's a lot of, like, talking. And so this seems <laughs> to indicate that Stephanie Meyer was listening to the audio from the music video that included all of the dialogue. Like, that was her chosen version of this song. Amazing. It's fucking amazing. The next one is With You by Linkin Park. I don't even know if I know what song Then, then, By Myself by Linkin Park. Two in a row. Dreaming by OMD. Yes. Please Forgive Me by David Gray. Don't know what that is. Um, I fucking can't say it. I have, like, again, I only know it from this. Um, Here With Me by Dido. I really can't believe there's a Dido song on this playlist. It's fucking amazing. Like, one second. Um, I, I I just looked up and just, if you Google it, just like the still for the music video is just so very much of its time. But it's literally just like, oh, I am what I am. I'll do what I want, but I can't hide and I won't go. I won't sleep. I can't breathe unless you're resting here with me. So this is, I imagine, like, when she's in the hotel, just like the, I can't breathe and die I can't sing right now, I'm very sick. Um, <laughs> I can't, just the, I can't breathe until you're resting here with me part is so fucking funny. God, what comes after that? Um, after that is Time is Running Out by Muse, which is a fucking great song that... <laughs> Uh, the girl I had my first gay experience with, and I would listen to this song all the time, and I very much associated it with Twilight, <laughs> and it was fucking amazing. Um, Tremble for My Beloved by Collective Soul, which is the only song that is both in the soundtrack and in the playlist. Um, and then- the I think it's the first song, right? On the soundtrack? I think- Not the first song on the soundtrack, but the first song that actually plays in the movie. The soundtrack's it, not in the right order. I think it might be. I think you're right about that. It's like, maybe not the first song, but it's like the song that plays when she gets to like the forks, I think. Um, oh, is it the song that's playing when she steps out of Charlie's car and she's holding a cactus? I think so. Oh, that part in the director's commentary, <laughs> she was like talking about that a lot. She was like, I was so disappointed at the end of the scene. I don't get to talk to this cactus anymore. <laughs> so wild okay so then dreams by the cranberries which, is which i think you a- should can you can you sing that a little All bit i'm not gonna do the yodeling but so you're also singing in a way you're, you're singing like jokingly as if you couldn't fucking belt that song i could but i'm not going I, to because it's 9 51 p.m and i have neighbors belt that song Pelt that song. Put it on the Patreon. <laughs> Pelt I'll do, that song. I'll do I'll do dreams karaoke uh for for Patreon money. Actually, that's amazing. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Sahana actually has a beautiful fucking voice. Thank you so much. Um, and then the last song is Lullaby <laughs> Goodnight My Angel by Billy Joel. Billy Motherfucking Joel. <laughs> I think that the last two songs on this book playlist are so like out of left field. Like, <laughs> Dreams by the Cranberries is a great song. It's like very sweet and wonderful and does not fit the tone of this book or movie literally at all. And then also, I I can't believe that anyone in the universe made a playlist that includes both My Chemical Romance and William Joel. It's so fucking good. Um, so the only, yeah, 
So I just want to comment on a few parts of the director's commentary Please. before we before we before we end. I have a few more things to say with the director's commentary, and then we have to end because we have been talking about this movie for like I don't know too long. So I've already touched on a lot of it, but there's a few things that I need you to know. One. The restaurant scene, which, by the way, is not set in an off-brand Olive Garden. It's set oh in some like, weird it, off-brand, like, it looks like Tex-Mex for, place. For any Rockabilly. of you that went to high school with us, which I think is not a lot of you that listen to this podcast, or if you've ever been to downtown Plymouth, Michigan, which I know at least one person listening to this podcast has. Hi, Caitlin. If you have ever been to the Plymouth Coffee Bean, that is what the <laughs> restaurant in this movie looked like. It did not look like an Olive Garden. It looked like the Plymouth Coffee Bean. It's rough. Sight of my high school nightmares. So, um, but apparently, like, Robert Pattinson, when he saw this movie, ran out of the theater during that scene. (laughs) So, some things that I wrote down are just, like, some of my favorite quotes. Like, this is one part where they're, like, I don't remember what the fuck's happening. And Robert Pattinson just goes, I have such effeminate hands. I could never be strong. And it's like, what? Can I ask you something about the director's commentary? Mm -hmm. What did they have to say about the kissing scene? They have so much to say about it. Please share. I'm dying to know. It's almost exclusively Robert Pattinson. And I'm just going to read it all out loud because it's so fucking funny. Oh my god. So they're doing the kissing scene, and you know, they mentioned, like, how it was, like, too- the virtual cut was too steamy for Stephanie Meyer, and they had to, like, recut it, like, closer in. Oh my god, what? Yes. Um, but, okay, so the whole kissing scene is just Robert Pattinson, like, rambling over it, and I'm just gonna read it, because it's fucking hysterical. Okay, this is quite difficult, because I have a really flat head, <laughs> so- it's quite difficult to get a correct angle, and you can't go up from down below as well because I have rock solid hair. <laughs> and then he's just like, sometimes is that he? Okay, no one fucking comments on any of this. By the way, he's just like, sometimes I feel like my head's gonna turn inside out, like an episode of Red and Stimpy where he's inside his own belly button. <gasps> what? <laughs> he says that shit. And Catherine Harbour just kind of laughs and is like, what? And then no one comments on it. <laughs> and this is all during the kissing scene. Yes. And then he's like, it took ages to talk about the scene. He's like, because I thought Kristen was going to come in and I'm just waiting. So like, they don't kiss forever because they both thought the other one was going to lean oh, in to kiss. My God. I, as I was watching this, I think it's absolutely bananas that the first cut of the kiss was like too steamy for stephanie meyer because i remember as i was watching the kissing scene i said to michelle this is way hornier than in the book like already apparently it was even hornier i thought it was great that it was so horny well because they don't do the thing because you know in the book he's like okay don't move i'm gonna like kiss your immobile body they don't do that in the movie and on the one hand, I'm glad because that's really weird in the book. But on the other hand, I kind of want to see those two actors attempt that. Oh my god. The last thing that he says that made me fucking cackle was, it's weird because I don't normally shave. I notice I've got one of those butt chins as well. It's weird. <laughs> it's like a nubbin. <laughs> so there's three other things I have to tell you about please. about the commentary or else I'm going to have to die. So one, apparently the part where they like climb up the tree, um, the stunt doubles had to free climb that tree originally. What? And then they had to like hook themselves to the tree and then like a helicopter went by and they like almost fell off. Like, can you imagine dying for Twilight? Oh my god. I, I can't believe that we got through talking about this movie without talking about Hold On Tight Spider Monkey. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm waiting for that for a second because I have a fact to tell you and I want to save it for last. Oh, God, okay. So I have one more fact first. So the part where um, in the fight scene between um, Edward and uh, James, where Edward's, like, biting his throat out, mm-hmm. apparently that took, like, an hour to, like, fucking record. And in actuality, Rob was biting chicken and cheese off of Cam's throat. What? Because that's what, like, chicken or cheese was, like, taped to Cam's throat, and he was just biting it off of him. What? 
Can you imagine being Cam Gigandit and you're told we're going to tape, we're going to like duct tape a chicken wing to your jugular and Robert Pattinson's just going to rip it off with his mouth. That's, That's what you're being definitely someone's here. kink. Oh, for sure. I hope it's Cam Gigandit. <laughs> I mean, I bet it is now. Okay. So... Now, the whole tight spider monkey. Can you explain that part, and then I'll tell you the the best fact yes. of all time? So, there is... Oh, God, I hate this movie so much, you guys. There is a part where... I think they're in Edward's room. It's like when Bella's visiting the Cullens. They're in Edward's room, and she's, like, looking out his, like, giant glass window out into the forest. And she says something about his climbing abilities or about him being scary or something. I don't know what really sets Edward Cullen off. Uh, I think that he's not scary. I think it's that he's not scary. So he grabs her, throws her onto his back like human backpack Bella Swan, uh, who all of us love, and he says to her, Hold on tight, spider monkey. And then he jumps out the window and, like, starts flying through the trees and, like, climbs up this, like, extremely tall pine tree. And then they sit there and, like, chat in the branches for, like, several hours. Now, the best part about that was that apparently the night before, like, Robert Pattinson or someone thought that there should be, like, a line there. And so, like, Catherine Hardwick wrote up, like, a list of, like, ten lines. And then Robert Pattinson chose off a list. So he chose Hold Tight Spider Monkey off a list that Catherine Hardwick had written for him. What were the other ones? I don't know. We'll never know. And it's always going to haunt me. Like, it will haunt my fucking dreams. I can't believe that there was a universe in which we could have had nine other choices for what happened before he flew out the window with Kristen Stewart (laughs) on his back. And the one that we got, the one that we deserved for choosing to subject ourselves to Twilight was Hold On Tight Spider Monkey. Oh god, so I'm reading my notes and there is one other part I have to mention and it's when the it's really small, but it's when uh he shows that he sparkles which is so fucking funny. I think I said it already, but I will say it again. In that moment Edward Cullen looks like a human blingy. He looks like (laughs) a blingy gif. It's so fucking funny. It is the so, worst effect in the whole movie. It's like they dipped him in Elmer's glue and then like <laughs> him in craft glitter. And he's like, this is the phase of a killer. It's so fucking he funny. He looks like a bottle of limited two shiver bodies. It is impossible to take that scene seriously. It is. And so I think it was during that part where Robert Pattinson said two things. One, he goes, I thought I was supposed to have a fake six-pack in this scene. Oh my god. And then two, he goes, I'm sorry, I'm just a sweaty guy. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Rob. You and me both. Oh my god. So anyways, that is this fucking movie. We have, we were so glad you were with us for it. We have a, one more shout-out we definitely gotta say. And that is, um, I can't remember if I shouted this out in the last episode or not. And even if I did, it deserves to be shouted out again. Um, so shout out to at Frankie Extra. Um, that's, uh, F-R-A-N-K-I, um, then the word extra. Uh, she wrote us, she wrote me, I suppose. No, it was for you. Fucking trans Bella, Alice Jasper, college or 20-somethings AU fanfic. It's. I I can't believe that someone out there really did that for you. That's true It is on love. Twitter. It is on Twitter. You can find it. Trans Bella. Just fucking in a poly situation with Alice and Jasper. It's fucking gorgeous. It's really what Kat has always wanted. So, as you may have noticed, this is our first week. On our new network. Woo! Network, network. Yeah. The Orange Groves. 
We are so excited to join this network. Big shout out to Joe for inviting us to join this wonderful group of podcasts. We are oh. super happy that we get to join a whole bunch of really awesome people that create some really funny and interesting stuff. Um, I think that we're in exactly the right niche for the Orange Groves. Um, they do really great work lifting up podcasts that are recorded by folks with marginalized identities queer folks people of color doing really great work they're awesome we love them thank you for having us um so you can find us now on the orangegrows.com slash summer dash twilight dash book dash club um uh, and you should still be able to access us as normal on itunes we hope um we'll figure please it check, out yeah please check out the other wonderful podcasts on the network you can actually find me on the most recent episode, uh, at least at the time that we're recording this, of Bed Bath and Bionicle talking about hot nonsense. Uh, <laughs> or talking hot nonsense about other nostalgic content from the early part of the uh, 2000s. Um, plus, actually, that's a great episode if you want an introduction to the network because we have Riley, Joe, me, Chris, and Wheels on that episode. So just like a whole lot of chaotic Orange Grove's energy right there. So And, uh... Check out those other podcasts. Thank you for sticking with us. We have officially made it through the first of five, five, right? Chapters well, of this four, saga. Well, four books, five movies. Right. Yes. So there so, is so much more to come. Thank you for taking this truly amazing journey with all of us uh we can't believe that you have tolerated us long enough to let us get through this whole book we love you thank you so much new moon coming at you so soon bye bye